This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we preview and review all the big business and market stories of the week with Oanda senior market analysts from across the world. And today, it's Friday. That must mean it's Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, and I suppose good morning to you. Yes, well, uh, happy Friday, and I think it's been quite the week. The UK economy recording its biggest ever contraction in more than 300 years last year. Gross domestic product shrinking just shy of 10% over the year as a whole. This according to the Office for National Statistics. It is the largest annual decline amongst the group of seven. In a historical context, when one thinks of all the wars, all the depressions, all the crises, it's a significant thing, isn't it, for economic historians, but hardly a big shock, bearing in mind the pandemic. Oh, very much so. And I think when we take a look at that reading, it really tells quite the story. I think, you know, GDP, uh, it, it did post a modest gain in those final three months. And I, I think what you're starting to see is uh, there is, you know, this this optimism that the economy has kind of built a little bit of immunity to lockdowns. And I, I think that uh, everyone is just focused on the rebound on the recovery trade for 2021. And uh, I, I think you, you, you have um, both monetary and fiscal policy that is kind of clicking together. And uh, there, there's still, I think, hopes for a rapid recovery. And uh, that's, that's uh, you know, I think very nice to, to have, you know, after you have, uh, you know, the, the worst year and, uh, since 1709. Are you talking a V-shaped recovery or a W maybe? Feels more like a W. It does feel like a W and uh, in some for for some people it might be a K-shaped recovery. I think I think I haven't that heard that one before. <laughs> well, you you'll have uh, uh some parts of the economy that will take will take a lot longer to to um, reopen and uh, to benefit. So their recoveries might not be as strong and uh while well while other parts that have already kind of been benefiting from the uh the laxing of curbs, uh, I think you're going to see them just continue to, to deliver that V-shaped type recovery. Uh, it's going to be unbalanced, but I think in the end, though, uh, overall, it will be a rapid recovery. I think the, the UK economy is nicely positioned here, uh, mainly attributing it to the, the success of their uh, vaccine rollouts. Um, and and uh, I think right now you're probably going to see that, um, you know, everyone is trying to get a sense of, well, where do I invest? And, and uh, UK assets have been fairly picked on because of Brexit, because of the pandemic. And uh, right now there is kind of this belief that we have the reflation trade happening globally. And that's going to lead for people wanting to kind of uh, reduce their exposure to the US. And right now the UK is looking fairly attractive. Of course, the vaccine program is actually vital, isn't it? And if you compare where we are in this country and to a certain extent the United States as well with some of the big countries of Europe, France, Germany, Italy, the United States and the United Kingdom will be able to make a head start in a way. Very much so. I think there's so much optimism um, right now on the vaccine front in the U.S. Um, I, I think earlier th this morning, President Biden um, is, is confident that the U.S. could secure 600 million vaccine doses by July. And and I, th I think um, for for people that are kind of curious, well, when am I going to get my chance? Uh, you know, Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, the, the main guy for uh, fighting this pan COVID pandemic, um, he's pretty optimistic that, you know, 
for the Americans that want to get vaccinated, they'll have the chance to do it by April. So if if you take that into consideration, uh, you know, you could see large parts of the U.S. economy uh, see a return to some normalcy, small gatherings completely allowed um, uh, for, for people that are vaccinated. So if you haven't seen your parents, you will be able to, to do so comfortably if all of the adults are vaccinated. So there's, there's strong optimism that that's going to, to release a lot of pent-up demand uh, for the economy. And, and uh, I think that's why you're seeing, you know, U.S. stocks have been on a tear and uh, they're kind of uh, still hovering near record highs as we uh, enter the long weekend. And talking of the long weekend, most of Asia is on holiday at the moment and you have your holiday President's Day on Monday. Uh, Let's talk about the dollar. Big debate going on at the moment. Yields up and uh, the dollar, what is actually happening? Give us your overview. Well, I think we... We, we know that uh, everyone, for the most part, is just kind of, you know, staring at all of what the Biden administration is is doing as far as, you know, putting aid into the economy um, along with the Treasury. Uh, there's 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 going to be a, a covid relief bill that's finalized right now. The the Biden's starting point is one point nine trillion. Most likely that will end up being closer to one point four trillion. And and uh, you, you have a Fed that has pretty much uh, guaranteed that. They're going to allow inflation to overshoot. They're going to remain ultra accommodative for quite some time. And that's kind of provided this this fundamental backdrop that, you know, you're going to have a ballooning deficit. There's going to be lots of uh, reasons to expect for uh, dollar weakness to remain intact. Um, but what happens? You, you had that trade was overcrowded. And what's been very interesting to focus on is that there is this this belief that if the economy runs too hot, we could we could see U.S. growth exceptionalism, and uh, that that's mainly because the vaccine rollouts could be very successful. We could see all this money that Americans, all the stimulus money that's been given to Americans, the ones that just put it in their savings account, they might actually put that money to use. And we're starting to see that treasury yields have been on fire right now. Uh, the, the, earlier this morning, we almost made a run towards 120 on the 10-year yield. And and if if you continue to see uh, the the move higher in in, in treasuries, uh, that's going to spur you know some some strong uh, interest in 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 um, holding U.S. treasuries and dollar-denominated assets. And I think that's why you're starting to see a little bit of a tug of war here. Uh, so, 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 uh, there, there's been a lot of people that have been short, uh, I think, you know, for the most part, uh, a lot of people were trying to, uh, take, take a good look at that Euro dollar trade. And, uh, there was, um, uh, just, uh, a, a strong belief that, you know, we could see like a, a big pullback here, which would typically squeeze out those short, uh, those retail retail traders that were kind of heavily long euro and, and right now i think you're probably going to see that uh this choppiness is going to uh remain in place because the the yield story is is not supportive for the you know the the, the standard fundamental view on the dollar which is for it to weaken so i think you're, you're going to probably see that the dollar could actually 
have a, a strong couple of weeks here, but then um, I think eventually you will see that the, the fundamentals will play out. The, the dollar path is likely to be lower because I think what the Fed will do is they're going to be concerned about this rapid rise in, in treasury yields. And if they do have to kind of bring back conversations towards yield curve control, that could kind of uh, end that move. So, so I think uh, you're starting to see um, some, some interesting moves on the dollar and that should remain the case for a few weeks. And we had the latest U.S. inflation figures out this week, which showed inflation easing a bit as analysts ponder which way it's going to go next. Although some are suggesting upwards. Yeah, I think the, the consensus view is, and we have to remember, uh, with with uh, with pricing pressures, you know, you have to always take a, take a look at, you know, what will happen a year ago. And, you know, we got hit by the COVID pandemic and that really kind of just killed uh, prices. And, and right now what you're going to see is that, um, uh, there is a, a, a consensus view that, you know, we will see a surge in inflation. The Fed has been telegraphing that nicely. And uh, what we're probably going to see, though, is that they're going to allow inflation to run a little bit hot. Um, you know, U.S. core consumer prices, they, they show scant inflation. And I think what you're going to see is um, if 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 we do start to see in these next few months a big tick up and if we start to see on the annual side of readings over three percent that will be tolerated um, the question is um, in the summer if we do have that u.s growth exceptionalism story and and, and the treasury yields are continuing to soar higher because these inflation uh, data points are just running hot uh, that's going to compl complicate the feds the feds um policy and and you're going to probably have those taper tantrum concerns start to return so so i think you're going to see that um everyone's going to be focused on inflation um, some will be more so than the the you know the labor market data that we normally get and uh, that that's going to be the key the key story in the coming months but um, for for now i think um inflation is tame uh we're gonna we're gonna start to see it surge in these next couple of months and uh that should be tolerated so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out though with the um the reopening of the economy and, and that's going to be the big story probably more more of a during the summertime and talking of a surge we talked about it last week oil um we've now got brent crude quite a long way beyond the magical $60 a barrel and WTI is getting very, very close to that mark. Obviously, the Saudi distribution cuts have had a big effect. But what happens when we start to get to the light at the end of the tunnel, which I believe we have with the pandemic? Energy starts to actually be used in greater numbers. Flights take off. People start to use their cars a lot more. What then? Because basic economics say that the price will continue to rise because the demand will grow. You're right. But there's one thing that you, you have to also remember. Uh, throughout this pandemic, um, the energy sector was hit the hardest. And uh, what, what that led to was all the oil majors, they had to slash CapEx. Uh, so investment in new wells, that did not happen. So what we're going to see is that there's going to be a strong move up in uh, or optimism that you know everyone's going to want to start to travel they're going to drive um and 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 this vaccine success is not just you know it, it's it's 
it's really exemplified in the UK and the US, but we're also seeing emerging markets start to have some optimism. Um, we have several vaccines that have gotten the green light and uh, even uh, the Russian Sputnik vaccine uh, is getting mass distribution across e emerging markets. So I think there's strong belief that this demand recovery story is going to remain fairly consistent. And, and as demand recovery improves, uh, we're going to have a, a, a moment where there's not going to be enough supply. So it, it, it will take months for uh, a lot of these countries to kind of, you know, bring on the, the amount of production that's needed. So I think that you're, 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 you're seeing a perfect storm of just different fundamental drivers that support higher oil prices. And that's why, you know, we really have seen, uh, I think, a, a one-way direction because Concerns on the supply side have been eased. You know, the stockpiles, whether it's in U.S. Uh, or, or or China's stockpiles, as they're the, the world's largest importer, they've been they've been coming down. And I think what you're seeing is that you know the 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 demand side is 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 looking um, very rosy now. And I think you know everything is kind of supporting a move higher. And and uh, if the dollar weakness does start to resume. You know, watch out. We could we could have uh, um, oil prices have another um, significant push higher. So so it's in a very exciting time for oil, uh, and it's it seems that uh, um, you know the, the OPEC plus agreement is has been uh, very successful uh, this go around, and it looks like uh, they can be on cruise control for the rest of February and for March. I wanted to ask you about Bitcoin. It's hit new heights this week, partially thanks at the beginning of the week to uh, a certain uh, Elon Musk. But then, of course, it surged to another high after it emerged that Bank of New York Mellon was starting to store and issue cryptocurrency to its clients. And this is this is America's oldest bank, isn't it? Uh, launching a new digital assets division, bringing Bitcoin further into the mainstream after that Tesla announcement that it spent $1.5 billion on the cryptocurrency. So, it's been a great week for anybody who invested in Bitcoin. Sadly, not me. You're not alone in that. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, I, I've been covering Bitcoin since 2014, and uh, I, I am not a Bitcoin millionaire. I can assure you that. Um, but uh, I think you know y you're starting to see that Wall Street is getting very very close to to having widespread acceptance for Bitcoin. Um, you know the news. Uh, you pointed out. The, the, the big stories, but there's also a, a few other ones that are just as important. Uh, Purpose Investments, they got approval for the first Bitcoin ETF. Um, I think that you're, you're, you're also seeing that there, there's just been um, countless focus on, you know, okay, Tesla said they're going to also accept Bitcoin as payment for their cars. And, and we're starting to see all the CEOs are, are getting asked, well, are you going to invest in Bitcoin? And are you going to accept them as a form of payment? And uh, while, while uh, GM said, no, we're not going to invest, and Uber did as well, Uber CEO noted that, you know, well, if there is a demand for accepting Bitcoin as payment, they will, you know, strongly consider it. So, so I think you're, you're, you're going to see that mainstream, accept, mainstream acceptance is improving dramatically. And I think the, the biggest thing that kind of uh, for, for me was that when, when you had BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, announced a few weeks ago that they were going to offer 
cryptocurrencies as a, a as a part of two of their hedge funds and and when when you have the world's largest asset manager consider that uh you're going to have the rest of wall street fall in line um, so so i think we're, we're still at the early stages for institutional interest for bitcoin and uh and the thing is because there's such a finite supply it, it, there's only 21 million bitcoin out there and there's a roughly 2 million left to be mined um, if, if you if you have you know some of these large corporations just kind of say well we're going to maybe put one percent of our cash um into bitcoin and remember when tesla had that announcement of 1.5 uh billion um, that was roughly seven percent of their cash on hand so i mean if you if you have other companies do that there's we're going to have that liquidity crunch again and that could really kind of keep driving prices higher so it's truly a fascinating time and i think the big thing for bitcoin the biggest risk remains regulation i mean we, we had this week you know very very uh negative comments from uh bank of canada deputy governor lane and also from the russian uh, central bank governor i think that you, you're, you're going to see that it's going to be important to, to follow those regulatory concerns because eventually um they're, they're life is going to be a little bit harder as as these central banks try to adopt their own digital coins and that it seems they're years away from so it seems like the bitcoin party can can go a little bit longer okay before we let you go let's have a quick preview of next week president's day on monday so no markets open in the united states but what are you looking out for for the rest of the week well um one of the stories that you know i think really kind of uh drove so much interest for us was uh was the wall street bets reddit army <laughs> and how they went after all those hedge funds with big short positions well on tuesday we're going to start to see the 13f filings which basically is all the large money managers they they um, reveal their positions, whether they added or reduced stakes. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see exactly uh, how they're positioning themselves. And um, what happens is when you see that, if we see a, a big interest in uh, following these Reddit traders, I think you're going to see that, that, that that's going to be a very interesting development. So that's one that I'm following on Tuesday. Um, also on Tuesday, we have a um, couple of uh, big uh, economic readings. I think uh, the first of the uh, regional surveys in the US, the Empire Manufacturing Report is supposed to show a rebound. Uh, I think uh, this is a February reading, so there's optimism that you know we're, we're starting to see um, uh, a pickup in manufacturing, so that will be one that uh, many will, will follow. Uh, we also have a Euro area Q4 preliminary GDP and also the German ZAW uh, survey and current expectations uh, surveys. So. Uh, we're supposed to see a little bit of um, softness in that data. So that's going to be, um, I think, a couple of the, the big data releases of the week. Um, Wednesday, we had the Fed minutes. I think that's going to be key uh, just to get a better sense of um, just where I, the Fed was thinking was as far as addressing yield curve control because that kind of fell off the radar in the january meeting and then also to uh earlier that morning advanced retail sales which is uh for the u.s is supposed to bounce back um it, it's uh, supposed to really rebound strongly uh to up 0.8 percent on the on the month-to-month -month reading and then uh to just to wrap out the week I think Friday is going to be the, the 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 other big day. We get PMIs, the flash PMI readings, and that just kind of gives us a good sense of exactly how strong the manufacturing service sectors are in, in the U.S. and in the, the Eurozone and U.K. Have a very good long weekend, and we'll speak to you again same time next Friday. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me.